And we've been looking at three indispensable activities in the last three weeks that are in the house of God. And this morning we're going to be looking in 2 Timothy, if you want to turn with me to chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And as we started this series out, we looked and we seen that Paul, writing to the young pastor Timothy, who had taken a church and was pastoring in Ephesus, he wrote him these pastoral letters, First and 2 Timothy. There's actually three. There's also the letter of Titus, who was a pastor, who Paul had been mentoring, who God had called through his ministry, and they were now pastoring churches. And Timothy is a man who is overwhelmed, you can see when you read in the context of the letters, and Paul's writing to encourage him, but also to instruct him in what he must do and how he can conduct the things that go on in the house of God that he's been given responsibility to pastor. And if you look right here, he says, if I am delayed, he was in prison. And Paul says, if I'm delayed longer, I write so that you may know, Timothy, how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And here we noticed and we've been saying that Paul equated the church as the house of the living God. And so today in this dispensation of God's history, as he's working out his plan and redemption in humanity, we are the place that God calls his house. And we know that we've seen and asked, what are some activities that we need to be doing? What did Paul show to Timothy? What does the Bible teach? When we come into God's house, what are some essential activities that we should be doing? And we've been looking primarily at these three. A true house of God will be a place that we've seen of praise, where people are praising the Lord, where they're unashamedly just in love with Jesus. And they're raising hands and singing with loud voice from hearts that have been overwhelmed with the goodness and unbelievable wonder of who God is. And they're singing praise. They're also, we've seen last week, a place of prayer, a place where people genuinely are in communication with God. They talk regularly to God. They believe in him. And as much as I believe this is importance, praise is a wonderful place for the Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. And prayer um, a praying people are the people who are showing their dependence and their belief and their trust in God enough to take time to come to him and rely on him by trusting him and asking him for the things that they need in life. But I believe out of those three, the source that causes people to praise God, what makes people of prayer who pray to God is that they've first been under the preaching of God's word. It starts with the word of God. I got saved one day when I heard the word of God and it convinced me and convicted me. So I want to talk to us this morning about preaching a place where God's word is heard. And as you look here this morning with me, we're going to start reading in 2 Timothy. And I know I got it listed as chapter 4, but I actually want to start in chapter 3 in verse 16. Why is it so important to preach the word? preach God's word. And I want you to remember that when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, it didn't have chapter three and verses. It didn't have this breakup. We put that there so that we could reference the Bible and teach it easier as a help. So when he wrote this, this is in context that it's all going together. If you look with me in verse 16, listen what Paul says. Timothy, he's writing to young Timothy. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it's possible for doctrine, that's teaching, that's the things we believe, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The reason that you preach the word of God, the reason it's one of the primary activities that is a necessity, that is indispensable in the house of God, is because, first of all, the word of God is breathed by God. It's inspired by God. It is the inspired word, and it is profitable for our doctrine. That's what we believe. That's the things we teach. Preaching is not worth anything if it's not the word, if it's not coming from the Bible. I believe that biblical preaching must come from the Bible. It's not about an opinion. It's not about what some man believes. It's about what thus saith the Lord has to say. And when you look in the Old Testament, one of the overwhelming themes, one of the phrases that you see over and over and over in the Old Testament is thus saith the Lord, thus says God. And thus saith the Lord, it's testimony of its own self that this is the word of God, the inspired word. And when you get in the New Testament, there's something that you're going to see. It's all the time it says, as it is written, according to the prophets, meaning as it is written in the Old Testament, when thus saith the Lord spoke, now as it is written. And so what we do is we take what God has revealed through his word and we preach it and we share messages. And that's what God has intended. And that is the only way that we'll ever find ourselves reproved for correction, that we're instructed in righteousness so that we can become the men and women of God that he needs us to be, to be equipped for every good work. And guys, everything that God does, he does through his word and by the proclamation, the preaching of his word. You were saved because somewhere, somehow, you heard the word of God. I shared in the other service, and I was looking at Diane, and it just came to my mind. But I remember when I first started going to church for the first time where I really had ears to hear, where God had me in a place where I knew I needed help. But I went to church thinking I'd get God, I mean, getting Diane back. <laughs> And I started going to church. But little did I know that when I went to Athens, Alabama, to a church named Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, that there would be a man named Dusty McElmore that was appointed and anointed by God to preach, thus saith the Lord. And when he got to preaching, I found out real quick, God said, your problem ain't you ain't got Diane. Your problem is you don't have me. <laughs> and I heard the word of God preached. And the word of God began to penetrate my heart. And it began to change and convince me and convict me to the place where one day I had to say the sense to repent and turn to God and put faith and trust in Jesus. And I got saved because of the word of God. And friends, you know there was a day, how many of you can remember when the word of God began to convict you? The word of God convinced you that Jesus is your savior, that he died for your sins. And the word of God is what God uses to mold us and form us into the people he wants us to be. And so that's why as Timothy is pastoring this church, Paul is in prison. This is the last letter that we believe he wrote. It's probably the last thing that he heard, that Timothy heard from him before he was martyred for Christ and beheaded. And so as he's writing, he's giving him his last charge, his last command from the heart of Paul. He's saying, Timothy, this is all the other stuff I told you is important, but this is the main thing you need to do in the church. And look at what he says in verse 1 of chapter 4. I charge you, what he's saying is, I command you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. 
Guys, the church can be doing everything else, but if we're not preaching, thus saith the Lord, if we're not teaching this Bible, we're not going to ever accomplish what God wants us to do, nor will we ever become who God wants us to be. It all is based upon the truth of the Word of God, and you have to have it in your life. So he says, preach the Word, Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. You preach it when they want to hear it. You preach it when they don't want to hear it. You preach it when it's popular. You preach it when they don't want to. It's not popular. But you just preach the Word of God. And he says, as you preach it, look at what he says. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and teaching. Now, I want you all to be honest. How many of you came here this morning to be convinced? I've got probably a bunch of you say, I want to be convinced that God is God. I want to be Convinced that the scriptures are true, that salvation is real. But how many of you came this morning and said, I sure hope Brother Marvin rebukes me. I need a good rebuking, preacher. I don't ever hear that, Brother Cameron. But how many of you be honest that if you get in the Word of God for long, the Word of God rebuke you on its own. It don't need the preacher. And friends, you know what? Good preaching does sometimes convince Sometimes it rebukes, thank God, it also exhorts. He said to exhort, that means to encourage, to give people exhortation to do what the Word of God says to do. Listen to what he says also, with all long-suffering and teaching, why? He said, because Timothy, there's going to come a time when they will not want to endure sound doctrine. They won't want to hear what the Bible actually says. They won't want to hear what thus saith the Lord says. They won't want to be convinced. They won't want to rebuke. They won't want to be exhorted. They want to be entertained. <laughs> they want to be encouraged all the time. They'll never want to be told that anything's wrong. In fact, we live in days today where I believe there's a lot of people who have accepted that what God has said is wrong is right and what God has said is right is wrong. And they don't want to hear that the word of God says different. And if you look right here, he, so he says, he says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's healthy, good teaching. But according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But you, Timothy, be watchful. Be diligent, he's saying. Be careful. Watch closely what you're doing. And in all things, endure these afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. That's be a soul winner. Reach people and fulfill your ministry the primary way for timothy and paul and every god called man that he calls to preach is to preach the word if you're going to fulfill your ministry friends as we look at this and we take time this morning i want you to understand something that preaching the word is the foundation of how god advances and establishes and breaks his kingdom known here on earth when God got ready to send his son, who is the Messiah, the Savior, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, God in the flesh, the word dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of truth. When he got ready to prepare that, you know how he prepared the way? He sent a preacher. He sent a preacher. His name was John the Baptist. God hadn't sent a word for 400 years. The Old Testament prophets had been quiet. They had been shut down. And out of nowhere, out of the wilderness, shows up John the Baptist preaching, Thus saith the Lord, 
It says in the beginning, Mark chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, the Old Testament already said it, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I don't know about y'all, but what happened to me when I started going to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church is God had sent a messenger before me named Dusty McAmore that was preaching the word of God, and he prepared the way that I could find my way to Jesus. And get to a place where I would allow Jesus into my life. You see, it ain't allowed, it ain't us saying, Jesus, I'm gonna let you in my heart only. It's Jesus letting us into his kingdom. And it must be prepared the way. How God prepares the way for us to come to Jesus is through the preaching of the word of God. That's what he did here. Listen to what he says The voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Friends, my favorite thing he preached was when Jesus, once Jesus was revealed to him like God had told him, when he baptized Jesus and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and heaven spoke and said, This is my son, and who I am well pleased. Listen to him. The first thing John Baptist went out done, he seen Jesus coming by the river where he was baptized, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's my favorite sermon he'd ever preached. Because I want to tell you something. If the Lamb of God had not come that takes away the sins of the world, we would not be here this morning doing what we do. And they didn't listen, so he preached the same one the next day. They might have been Baptist. You know what? Preach. The word of God is what prepares the way to Jesus. But guess what? Once Jesus came, guess what he did? Jesus came also preaching the word. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus came, yes, he did miracles. Yes, he performed mighty signs and wondrous acts. But guys, those were not what he primarily came to do. Those were to authenticate that his message was from God, that he was who he said he was. It was to get people to the place where he had their attention so that they would hear his message. Because listen to what Jesus said. It says in the verse below that, first it says in verse 17, and from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And in verse 23, right below there, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That was his primary purpose. He even said it. In Luke's account, in verse 43 of chapter 4, it says that Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to all of the cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in all of their synagogues of all of Galilee. Friends, Jesus came to preach. The miracles he did was just to get people there. You know what? Still today, we reach people physically, so that we can preach into their lives spiritually. And the biggest gift we'll ever do is not help someone financially when they're in trouble. Although the Bible says real faith, if you see a brother and you got a means to help him, you help him physically. But guys, the greatest thing we'll ever do is tell them what the Bible has to say. Teach the gospel and preach how to be saved. Friends, the early church knew the importance and the significance of the Bible and the preaching of the Word of God being the foundation of what would make the church into what God wanted it to be. The first thing you see on the first day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, was Peter preaching the gospel, and 3,000 people got saved. 
from there, they're being told not to preach Jesus. They said, we can't help but to preach what we've been seeing and what we've been And as for you, you do what you want, but I'm going to preach what God has told me to preach. And they keep preaching. The church grows to the point that it gets to be so much going on that they're not able to meet the physical needs of taking care of the widows. They were feeding the widows who would have starved to death probably without the church. And so they called the church together. And this is what the apostle said. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. As important as serving tables and meeting needs and helping people is, they understood it was not desirable for that to take the place of the Word of God. The Word of God is the most important. We can help everybody in this community. We could go and do things in good benevolent, but if we don't preach and teach how to be saved, how to walk with Jesus, how to have a changed life by the grace that He offers you, what are we doing? We're just putting a Band-Aid on a problem because the greater problem is not that there's people who are struggling physically, but that they are dead spiritually and they need the gospel of life, the word of life. And friends, I want you to think about this. They said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And they gave that responsibility to what we believe to be the deacons to go and take care of tables. And they preached the word and prayed. Friends, I want you to think what the Bible says. After that happened and everyone was in agreement, the church was in unity and the word of God went forth and the church was multiplied. Friends, the word of God must go forth for the church to multiply. Paul says that he was appointed to preach the gospel. I want you to look at what he's telling Timothy here. Turn with me to chapter 1 and pay attention to this with your Bible and watch. Paul says that he was called by a holy calling and was appointed to be a preacher and apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles before time began. Think about that. (laughs) You know what that's saying? That every preacher God calls, he knew before time began he would call. And I want you to look at this. Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a young pastor who's overwhelmed. It's obviously when you read these letters. He's not only overwhelmed, but he's struggling. He's struggling with his timidity, his shyness. His, he, he's ashamed to share Jesus, apparently. And he's not using his gifts. He's forgetting that God is not giving him a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and sound, healthy mind so that he can do what? Proclaim the word of God and lead the church, the house of God. And listen what Paul tells him in verse 5. He says, Timothy in verse 5, verse chapter 1, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. That's the first thing. you got to have the faith of God that is in you. Paul said, I believe it's in you. It was first in your grandmother Lois. It was in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded. He says, I'm convinced it's in you also. Therefore, I'm reminding you, look at verse 6, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What is he talking about? Paul had laid hands on Timothy. He had anointed him. He had ordained him to preach and be the pastor of that church. And he's saying, stir up that gift that is in you. Look at what he tells him in verse 7. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus. Speak up, boy. Preach it out. Tell people what God has done. He sent his son. 
He put him on a cross. We killed him. But he raised him. We tried to get rid of him, but he's alive forevermore at the throne. And he can help. And he can save. And he can deliver. And he can heal. He is the living Son of God. Timothy, don't be ashamed of it. Preach it. But how many of you be willing to admit you know what that fear is like? You go to tell your friend about Jesus and you talk about everything but Jesus. <laughs> because all of a sudden that fear, God didn't give us that. He gave us the ability to tell people. So listen what he tells him. He says, he didn't give us that fear. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of me as prisoner. Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And look at verse 9. Look at what he tells Timothy. He said, because he has saved us and called us with the holy calling. Do you see that in verse 9? Guys, there's two things I'm convinced of in this life spiritually that has happened to me that no one can this ever make me doubt. I'm convinced that one day, by the grace of God, I got saved. Hallelujah. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And just like I know I got saved, there's a place, there's a time, there was a personal encounter with God when He dealt with me through the Word of God and He convinced me, He convicted me, He brought me to a place of repentance and He brought me to a place of faith and trust in Jesus and He saved my stinking soul and I ain't been the same ever since. Can I get a hallelujah? But guys, I'm as convinced that it was His will that He desires all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's long-suffering, patient, kind, waiting that everybody repent. But I'm also convinced, though, that not only did he save me, that he called me with a holy calling and appointed me to do what I'm doing up here this morning. Or I wouldn't survive 23 years in three churches. I'd have quit so long ago because I've thrown into town many times. I've tried to quit and couldn't find out how to do it. <laughs> Friends, I want to tell you something. Paul said, Timothy, God has saved us. Look at verse 9. And he has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. It's not according to what me and you do, Timothy, or what we can do, but according to what? His purpose and grace, which was given to us in Jesus before time began. He's saying, Timothy, before time began in Christ Jesus, God gave to me you according to his purpose and his will, not according to our works, a holy calling to preach the word of God, son, stir up the gift that is within you. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Speak up for your Lord. And Timothy's reading this. Can you imagine? And friends, listen to this. He says in verse 11, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul realized and believed that he was appointed to be the preacher he was. And guys, I believe today God appoints preachers. Preachers don't choose this as a job. It's a calling. You can't do it just because you want to do it. I tell everybody that's ever come, I've had many young men surrender to preach under me so far, quite a few. And I tell them all, if you can do anything else, go try to do it. Because <laughs> it ain't everything you think. And it takes Jesus and his grace to make you be able to do it regularly consistently because paul's just writing about the suffering the fear the, the 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 things that makes it hard to do but listen what makes it easy to do is he's given us something that we can preach if you'll spend time in this book you'll never be short of something to say <laughs> paul 
was writing this book. Look at what he tells Timothy in verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, Timothy, God appointed me to be a preacher. I didn't do it. He did it. He had a holy calling over our life. He called us and appointed us before time began in Christ Jesus. He appointed me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I'm suffering these things. I'm in jail because of it. But I'm still, I believe, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what he committed to me until that day, capital D. He's coming. And friends, he says, Timothy, hold fast to the pattern of sound, healthy words that I've taught to you, that I've showed you, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ. But not only do you hold on to them, give them away. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I was under the influence of Dusty McAmore. I got saved. Then he called me to preach. And that man out of all them people in that big old church recognized that it was a call on my life. And he took me and he spent time with me and he mentored me personally. We went fishing together. Yeah, we was fishing, but we was talking about Jesus. And he brought me with him on soul winning night. And he befriended me. And he invested in me, just like Paul did Timothy. And a part of him is in me this morning that Jesus used him. He gave an old man named Ellis Leverett in my life who was as crazy as I'll get out for Jesus. And he took me and invested in me. And they taught me what I know and things that God used to help me to preach. And they confirmed and reaffirmed that, son, I know God's called you to preach. This is your appointment thing to do. God's with you. I recognize there's a gift in you. And they helped me to nurture that gift. And guys, there's people that all over every day that God's looking to call with a holy calling to do what? Preach the word. So what does he do? He tells Timothy. Timothy, with all that's going to happen in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Men's going to be lovers of themselves and they're not going to be lovers of God. They're going to have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny his power. He said, they're always going to be learning, but they're never going to be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How do you cure that, Timothy? You preach the word of God. And you leave that up to God. So he says, Timothy, in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you, therefore, I'm commanding you, I charge you, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. Guys, that's why preaching is important. The only thing that can prepare us for the judgment of God is to hear the word of God and realize what God has provided. And listen what he tells him. He says, his appearing and his kingdom. I don't know if y'all read much in the word, but the word has told us he's coming back. So what did he tell him to do? He says, preach the word, Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and patience. He tells him, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. He says, but you be watchful in all things. Endure these afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Be a soul winner. Preach the gospel and fulfill your ministry. Guys, I'm convinced without a shadow of my mind that every true house, in the Father's house, the Father's house is a place where the children are praising Jesus. 
I mean, when you go in there, there's a holy excitement that you can't motivate, you can't create by the strength and motivation of men. It comes from a love to God. And they're praying to God. They're in communion. But listen, there's preaching. The Word of God is being preached. Friends, listen. It's not only, though, that the Word is being preached. What makes the house of God the most important thing we'll ever do is what do we do with what we hear being preached? I want you to think about this with me. As you hear the Word of God being preached, what is it that you do with the Word that God blesses you with? Because, friends, the Word of God is what God uses to reach people and to build His kingdom, to establish His house. And Friends, if you look here with me right quick, Paul was appointed to preach the gospel. He charged Timothy to preach the Word. The Word, I am convinced, if you look with me here at this next verse, is the most life-changing, influential activity of the church. I don't know about y'all, but I've found out that you can't be in the Word and stay the same. D.L. Moody said that this Word will keep you from your sin or your sin will keep you from this Word. You know why a lot of us don't want to have nothing to do with the Word? Because the Word is going to always show you a reflection of where you are and who you are in God. It's going to show you right away, real quick, where you stand in the eyes of holy God. It's easy to come to church and stay out of the Word and look at the people sitting around you and compare yourself and find someone that you're better than. To find someone that you do more than. To find someone that makes you feel good about yourself. But you know what I've come to find? The Word of God ain't just interested in making you feel good about yourself. The Word of God is a mirror that shows us a reflection of who we are and where we are with God. And Jesus, if you turn with me this morning, gave us a picture of how the Word of God works in a person's life. It's in Luke chapter 8. Now this is Luke's place in his version of it. It's in all three of the synoptic Gospels. It's called the parable of the four soils. It's a parable teaching about how the Word of God is received into the different hearts, the different ways people receive the Word of God. And if you look with me in chapter 8, as we begin to look right here, as we begin to close out, Jesus was doing what Jesus always did. The primary thing Jesus did, no matter what you might have thought or believed, was not go around performing miracles of healing and things like that. It was he preached the word. That was the main thing Jesus did. He taught the scriptures. And look at what he says in chapter 8 of Luke, verse 1. Now it came to pass after that that Jesus went through every city, every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was doing. And as he began to do that in verse 4, it says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to hear him from every city, he spoke by a parable. And guys, Jesus was speaking, teaching this parable. This parable was to teach us an important, very needful lesson that the same sermon will be received differently in every heart that hears it. God's sending out the true word. God is sending it out. It will not return void. It will accomplish what he intended it to be sent out for. He gives the preacher. He gives his man the word. He sends it out. But it is heard by different ways and received in different ways. 
Listen to what Jesus says. His disciples in verse 9 says to him, what does this parable mean? So look at verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Friends, listen. The seed is the beginning of everything that brings life into you spiritually. In fact, James said this, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Receive that implanted word with meekness which is able to save your soul. If I want to eat a tomato, which I got to eat one this week, praise the Lord, I ate a tomato sandwich, blue pear, boy, blue plate, I mean, it was awesome. But guess what? Somebody planted a seed a while back. And from that seed grew that delicious tomato. Guess what? If you got saved, somebody preached the word and the seed of the word of God got planted in your heart. And from that, it was able to save your soul. And so God has made preachers sowers. We preach the word. And Jesus tells us right here that the seed is the word of God. And he gives us three people, I mean, four people that hear it. He says, those by the wayside, look at verse 12, are the ones who hear. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear the word of God, but then the devil comes and takes it away. And the word is out of their heart, lest they should be believed and saved. Friends, listen. So some people hear the word of God, and they don't even get off the property. They have already forgot about it. They don't receive it. They let the devil steal it. And then he says, now the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word of God, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a little while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. So, friends, there's some people who hear the word of God, they're thankful about it, they're joyful about it, but it doesn't really get rooted because the ground is rocky and it's shallow. It's the superficial heart. They really ain't really committed to Jesus. They just like the idea that I can be forgiven and go to heaven. They really ain't really rooted to Jesus. They're just more rooted to the thought that now I'm not going to have to answer for all what I used to do. And it says when that's all you want, that's a shallow. When temptation comes, you're not even going to have enough faith to stand against it. You're going to depart. You're going to go back. And you're going to drop that faith. But then there's some who hear the word of God. And listen to what he says about this one. He says, the ones that fell among the thorns, the weeds, are those who when they have heard the word of God, they go out and they're choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. There's some people you don't have time to let the word of God activate and grow and nurture it and be what it wants to be in your life because you're too full of the world and you've got all these weeds, all these briars growing in your garden that are choking back the word and the word's planted in your heart, but you still got a lot of other stuff in your heart and it's not maturing. And then he says, finally, the one and only one who does what it should do, but the one that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now, when you look at that, you see that three out of four, the word didn't accomplish what it can and should accomplish in that person's life. Only one bared fruit a hundredfold. And so you see that the same word, the word of God, was planted the same way 
by a sower who preached it into four different hearts and they had four different ways that they received it. Now guys, this is the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God is the only hope that we have in being saved. The Word of God is the only hope we have in ever being the person God wants us to be. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify is what God wants to do with us. Set us apart and make us like him. Peter said, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If you're going to be sanctified and set apart and become like Jesus, you're going to have to be sanctified by the truth, the word. If you're going to grow as a baby in Christ, you're going to have to desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It starts by receiving the seed. James said, receive with meekness this implanted word, which is able to save your soul. That's why we preach the gospel. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone who will believe it. But guys, I want you to notice this. This is in context of the word of God being preached and sown in the hearts of men and men receiving it and growing to bear fruit for the Lord. Listen to what he says in verse 16. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it. What's the lamp? The lamp is the word. This is what David said. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Psalm 119. And so what he's saying here, this is in context of what he's teaching about the word. He says, no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. He doesn't hide it but he sets it on a lampstand. He puts it in the center of the room and those who enter in see the light. Guys, listen, the word of God, when people come into the house of God, it's like a lamp. It's the light. When you walk into a dark room and a light comes on, the first thing you notice is that lamp, that light. That light leads you out of the darkness. The word of God is the light of hope that leads you out of darkness. Jesus said, I am the light and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Friends, let me tell you something, my friend. The Word of God is not something to hide. The Word of God is not something to avoid or be ashamed of. It's something to be held up high, proud of. And when people come into this church, one thing they're going to know as long as I'm here by the grace of God is that these people believe and preach the book. We believe it's the holy Word of God, the infallible, inerrant, inspired by the breath of God, true Word of God. And we're going to preach it. We're going to proclaim it. But God, listen. It doesn't do any good just to preach and proclaim it if we're not going to hear it correctly. Because that's what's wrong with three out of the four. They heard the word of God. It was raised up like a light. Jesus made it the centerpiece of everything he did. They heard it, but they didn't bear fruit. Listen to what he says, the next verse. But others, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Verse 17, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed nor anything hidden that will not be made known and come to the light. You know what I found? If you'll take this book and if you'll study it and rightly divide it and spend time in it, there's nothing hidden that God doesn't want you to know. He didn't keep no secrets. You know as much of this book as you want to know. You know what I don't like about this book? When I get to reading about it, it knows things about me I wish God wouldn't find, didn't know. It shows me things I didn't know. There, this book, friend, is powerful. You don't read it, it reads you. And friends, it's like that light on that center of that room. When it opens up, it opens all the darkness. There's no more secrets. And friends, that's what he's saying. He's saying, 
For nothing is secret when it comes to the word of God that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be made known come to the light. Therefore, look at verse 18, and this is the close. This is the clincher. Therefore, take heed how you hear. You know, the most important thing about you in the church, the house of God, when you come to the house of God, the most important thing that's going to happen this morning is how you heed to the words you hear. What are you going to do with the word of God? Because listen what Jesus said. If you don't hear right, for whoever has, to him more will be given. For the one who's listening and hearing right and doing what he wants you to do with the word of God, you think you got salvation, there's more to get, amen? <laughs> you think the word of God has changed your life, there's more and better things to come. There's always more with Jesus in the word. And so he says, therefore take heed, be careful how you listen, how you hear. For whoever has to him, more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to think he has is going to be taken from him. Friends, you know what? When it comes to the word of God, then, how do you hear it? Remember, Jesus said, I'm not going to keep no secret. I'm going to bring everything to the light. So you know what? At this very moment, while Jesus is telling them, can you imagine being here? They're in this crowd. He's telling them what the parable meant. They're standing there listening. At this very moment, look at verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came in to him. And they could not approach Jesus because of the crowd. There's so many people at church, they can't get in. And so someone comes to the door and it said, told to Jesus by some of them. And they say, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to come in to you. It's like, We've got so many people in here listening to the word that Jesus' mama showed up and one of his brothers and they're trying to get in. And someone says, Jesus, you know, your, your mama and your, your brother's out there and they want to get in. You know what Jesus said? This is the answer, my friend. My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. If you hear the word of God and don't do it, you're in worse shape than having heard it. Every time we hear the word of God and we don't do it, we're telling God, I don't want to live for you. I don't want what you offer. But every time we hear it, my friend, and God offers us, what's he offering us? Grace, change, a better life, instruction in righteousness. He's convincing us. He's rebuking us. He's instructing us in righteousness so that we can become the men of God that he wants to be prepared for every good work. Do I like to get rebuked soon? No. Y'all might not believe this, but I, I even hate rebuking y'all worse than getting rebuked myself. But sometimes God gives me a message and I say, Lord, if I preach that, dang, they ain't none of them going to come hear me no more. He said, it ain't, you ain't the problem. I preach my word. So you know what I've come to find? Preach the word and leave the rest up to God and you'll do all right in ministry. Don't mean it's going to be easy. Don't mean it's always wonderful. Don't mean everybody wants to hear it. That's the source of giving us life change. Friends, today we're going to have a time to where you can decide what you're going to do with the Word of God. And I'm convinced that as our people come forward, that with this many people in here this morning, there's somebody in this room and you know good and well you're not saved. You've never, ever been saved by the grace of God. You're in sin. And you know that right now if you breathed your last breath, sin would define you for eternity. 
sin would forevermore mark you for the rest of all of eternity if you died in the condition you're in right now. And Jesus is convicting you. He might even be rebuking you for some things that you ain't been willing to do. But he's also convincing you right now that Jesus died for you. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, Christ on the cross, forgiveness, life eternal. You see, when you get saved, sin don't mark you for eternity. Jesus marks you for eternity. You become one of his children. His blood is over you. When God sees you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus. But friends, you can't sit in there and stay like you are. You got to do what the word of God says. What does the word of God say? Repent. Turn from the way you've been living without God. Turn to God and believe and trust in him. Put faith in Jesus. Listen to his word. And you, my friend, can have life change beyond what the devil's willing to make you think can be possible. Will you be perfect? Shoot, no. But will you be different? Heck yes. No change, no Jesus. When Jesus comes into your life, your life will be changed. And he will use the mighty word of God, the sword of the spirit, Paul called it. And it's cutting some hearts right now. I know how he works. I don't like it for you, but I'm praising Jesus for it because I know before you get well, you got to have surgery. Can I get an amen? The surgeon's scaffold cuts clean and the word of God loves you today and God cares for you and that's why he's speaking but you got to listen. You got to do what he says. If he's telling you to come forward and get saved and make a public pronouncement that I need Jesus, do that. He'll be glorified and you'll be blessed and he'll give you that assurance that I have a day when I got right with God and I got saved. Maybe you are saved but you know you ain't doing what you should come to the altar of God and say Lord I want to live by the word and let the word have place in your life and you'll never be the same I'm preaching because I know what this book can do here comes this man right now maybe you need to come we're going to stand I'm going to pray when I get through praying y'all listen and do what God's telling you to do Father in heaven we just come as sinners in need of grace Some of us are lost in here this morning. We need to be saved and forgiven. And Jesus, I know you died so that we could be born again and saved. Help them to realize that you love them and bring them to the place where they can be saved. And for those of us who are saved, thanking you for the word. Help us to obey it and live it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? If you need to come, come. He's calling. He loves you.